Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I am Michael Petro, and joining me on the show is uh, actor, director, playwright, and intimacy coordinator Sharon Bajer. Uh, I found Sharon in a news article on Film Training Minitoba's website about intimacy coordinators and was like, must know more. I'm glad I reached out to her. She was very cordial in answering all my questions and uh, a wealth of knowledge and teaching a, a, a dumbo like me about this new position. And, you know, after finding out about what an intimacy coordinator does, two things will happen. One, you'll wonder why it took so long to make this position. And two, uh, you'll never look at a movie the same way because you'll be like, oh, yeah, right. Like it just it adds a depth of of uh, of realness that actually makes you think. And that that uh, to me, that's fun. So uh, that's who's on the show. I got uh, I got some information for you guys if you want to know more about what she does and if you're interested in talking to her. All of her information and contact info will be on the show notes, in the show notes at the bottom of this episode for you. Uh, that's it. That's all for you uh, people who've been around before. Head on into the theater, metaphorical theater, because we're not allowed in movie theaters. It's the best I got. And uh, to you new people, thanks for pressing play. It was super cool of you. If you want to know more, head to therealdebaters.ca after the show. Check out some of our back catalog. Uh, there's a lot there. It's not all, um, it doesn't flow congruently, but it is great. It does tell story inside of it. So you guys can uh, get to know us better by doing that. Uh, if you want to email us, it's therealdebaters at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, it's at realdebaters. Uh, if you want to support the show at all, uh, you can throw some pocket change at us. It's the the max is like five bucks. Is any more than that? And you all crazy. Um, and if you if you donate to the show, we will try to do something on your behalf in return. There's a little bit of a list there for you to check out. And then if you want to buy stuff uh, to the first person who buys a real debater skateboard deck, proof of purchase, email to the real debaters at gmail dot com. Rob from the show, Rob Strachan, will certify that, and then you will get to help produce an episode with us and dedicate it to whoever you like, because we know that matters. <laughs> no, seriously. First person to buy a skateboard deck gets to give us an idea, and then we'll give you some credit. And then tell us who you want to de dedicate the episode to, and we'll be like, this is to Wanda. Fried green tomatoes, anybody? Anyways, uh, so realdebaters at gmail.com, realdebaters.ca and at Real Debaters, all spelled R-E-E-L, to our top 10 listeners, our top 10 places that listen to us. First of all, let's go south the border to San Jose, Oakland, Cedar Grove, Southington, and Ashburn. Again, thank you to all our friends in America. These are just the five places that are doing heavy lifting and shouting the words, the Real Debaters are awesome, or in some fashion. <laughs> like that and then to our top five canadian friends a hometown of winnipeg coming in number one vancouver following in second nanaimo toronto and richmond rounding off the top three these are the 10 places that are consecutive so thank you very much for for creating some sort of base and second to that um it means the world to us that all of you listen but these are just the places that are chatting us up so maybe maybe one day you'll get to go off into the world and be like i made that list and it won't matter but thank you if you do uh, anyways i will stop rambling i'll give you sharon bajer and i'll cue that reel and you enjoy the show let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Welcome everyone. the truth! You can't handle the truth! Sir, you're out of order. I don't I show you out of order! Yeah. 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 
All right, Trent. Thank you so much uh, for joining me in the living room today. In the studio, actually. I'm in my new house. So new house. I've been telling everybody who's been listening. New house meant new studio. And new studio has been christened by Sharon Baher. Uh, is that how you say it? Am I saying it right? Um, you know, it's, I think it's a Polish name. <laughs> no, I know it is because it's my name. But it's, um, uh, you pronounce it Bayer. Okay. But uh, I've been going by Bajer. So I like to say Major Bajer. Major Bajer. I like that. My last name is Petro, so I like nicknames because yeah. I've been, I get Petro points all the time. <laughs> I think I'd be annoyed with it, but it actually still has some charm. Anyways, uh, so Sharon Bajer, Major Bajer, um, has graciously joined us in the studio. And we're going to talk about a lot today. We're specifically going to get into her position as an intimacy coordinator. That was the original uh, play. I was like, this is a new position in film. And I, I, not a lot of people know about it. It's very young. And I wanted to put some attention on it because I think it's absolutely great what you guys are doing. Great. And gals, um, mostly gals though, from my limited research. Which it's, is- bo- it's both, but yeah, yeah. Currently right. it's mostly, mostly women. Yeah. I'm, and it should stay that way. We'll, we'll, put, we'll get into that. So, um, <laughs> But uh, we can't find out who you are as a person and what you do now unless we find out who you are before you got here. So I want to go into act one of our two-act play here and get some backdrop on you and find out what bit you when it came to the performing arts. So we were talking before our Zoom call dropped and you had mentioned that it was musicals and we were talking about Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was kind of the tip-off point (laughs) well i yeah i think i was talking about uh watching a lot of uh tv when i was a kid yeah and uh being kind of obsessed with carol burnett and the the variety shows sunny and Cher. um there were so many of them they looked so fun but yeah they all had a musical theater element to it so when i got to high school as one does you uh auditioned for musicals and um so yeah i kind of did that through high school and they got a like a a tiny little scholarship to uh attend a theater school which i had no idea what what that would be or (laughs) what school to go to and my drama teacher at the time sent me to um so this is in bc he sent me to a school called studio 58 which is um it's like the it's like a professional um acting program in a college okay yeah so you do you do get a a, a college degree but it's um it's kind of considered like the um one one of the best places to go um you had to audition to get in and um they only accepted 15 people a, a year and they could kick you out at any time it was hardcore this is school not military camp this it was very similar <laughs> but yes this was drama school acting school yeah can I, can I ask what was there any preparation they gave you for auditioning for something that would teach you how to be better at auditioning like that seems like i get that they want to weed out who would and wouldn't fit the course but at the same time like auditioning off the bench that seems a little like what were the requirements i guess oh well the requirements were i think they just sent us um a couple of monologues that we could choose from okay okay. and uh, we had to do like something from shakespeare and some modern monologue and um of course you know i think i was 17 when i auditioned i had no idea i had never really auditioned for anything 
I did everything wrong, apparently. Um, they give you, they do give you some feedback in the end, <laughs> you know, about what you did wrong. Yeah, you did yeah. not speak to your acting partners. Um, <laughs> you spoke, you did your, you did your Shakespeare with a British accent. Why did you do that? <laughs> you brought props and set, set up little flowers everywhere for your Ophelia speech. That was totally ridiculous. Um, <laughs> So really, in a way, you know, you, you go into these things completely in a completely naive type of way. And yeah. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was a really intense, solid three years of deconstructing your, your personality. <laughs> and uh, it was hard. Yeah, it was it was very hard work. Um, Do you remember what your monologue was that got you in? Yeah, I think it was. Well, this is the one I remember anyway. It was Ophelia's mad speech. Ophelia from Hamlet when she's talking about all of the all of the different flowers that she's picking and I oh. brought in some plastic flowers and <laughs> and you know I think I probably messed my hair up so I looked crazy and did spoke <laughs> in a British accent I don't know why they let me in maybe they're I think you were like balls to the wall let's do <laughs> it right get method here watch out well, yeah I've always been brave and I think that's um they tell you right away when theater school starts, like day one, uh, if you can do anything else, do not do this because it's it's a very hard profession, especially for women. Um, it's going to be really cutthroat and difficult road to go down. And I said, great, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, it takes a it takes a personality type and you, I mean requirement number one i think is brave brave more than thick skin i think you gotta know how to get out of your head i don't know anything about auditioning um, yeah you don't want to have a thick skin because you want to be it's like it's like learning how to be how to show your vulnerability learning how to show your soul um is really the you know what theater school teaches you and that's you know it's a hard thing to do in front of a live audience. Yeah, in front of a live audience. But one thing that Studio 58 did for me, that we were kind of um, a test group, yeah. uh, our class of 15, and they wanted to see if actors could be encouraged to write. And so that was one of our our main assignments when I was in the second year was was to write a one-person show and we had to write it ourselves. We had to come up with the idea. We had to, we got, we got help, but then we had to present it to the school, the whole, all, all, I think there were like 45 people in my faculty. We had just, we had to present them at the end of the term, which was very scary. Yeah. <laughs> and some, some people, and now they, I think they've, they've liked that so much, uh, getting actors to write that they've they've kept that um, they've, they've kept that portion of the training and it's been really great for me because uh, you know there isn't always acting work and uh, it's always given me kind of a focus when I've had time time between gigs we say you know <laughs> um, uh, so you can still be creative you know if you're a theater actor you need a you need a theater and an audience and everything to actually do your to yeah. do your work you can't just sort of walk around your house acting and, or you know yeah. it feels kind of ridiculous 
but you can write anywhere. And um, I really gravitated towards that. So when I first started out, we'll say 30 years ago, <laughs> let's say that, um, I was always writing. I was always writing. I wrote a lot of stuff for myself to perform at first. And uh, I came to Winnipeg shortly after graduating from theater school. And uh, yeah, I have always written. So I've just sort of done the two things in tandem my whole career. I've noticed um, that a gaffer might also want to be a director or has directed. Yeah. I've noticed an actor also be a director. And now you're telling me about an actor who also learned how to write. And yes. it seems that there's this running theme of limiting yourself in this industry to only be a one-trick pony. And I mean, you can do that. You can do that in any industry. It's not specific to this, but it also seems that it's like, this is the industry where you get to play and write and create. So why would you just stop at, okay, I would, you want to get good at your craft, but you know, have a couple of, like you, you, it sounds like it was a great way to expand your career with this, um, with this incubator that they put into the school. Yeah, I think, well, and I think that um, if you want to have a career in performing arts or in any way, you, I think, I think the key is, is to do, diversify your skills so and especially coming to a smaller place like com coming from Vancouver to Winnipeg um you know eventually I knew I was going to be stay staying here for a long time and so uh there just isn't enough there really isn't enough acting work or there wasn't then uh to sustain a whole career so um being able to write also allowed me to get my work out outside of Winnipeg which which yeah, is totally. You know in an easier way and then uh, i can't remember when i started act acting in movies but um when i first moved to winnipeg the, the film industry was i guess it was it had been going for a while but it, it wasn't um it wasn't as built up as it is now so there'd be like you know one or two movies a year um so we just it just seemed like a natural thing that you know most theater artists would uh, audition for films because we were actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was like, in learning all this, I was like, oh, this is great because this is like acting's acting. I don't, I don't care what room you're in. You know, directing's directing, yeah. writing's writing. Um, it's by the quality, not by the location. I mean, some of the greatest plays I've ever seen are through Fringe and they're in the back alley somewhere in Winnipeg, right? Like, yeah. That, so, it, 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 like you say, you can write anywhere. You can, perform it anywhere too but what what brought you to winnipeg was it the it wasn't obviously the industry but it was did work bring you here or were you like i, I just want to go east and see what i can find and <laughs> well i had grown up in bc and i had never really been east of alberta okay. and uh I was far away <laughs> so far away i had been talking to uh one of my teachers was a director and he was coming out to to do a show at Manitoba Theatre for Young People, which at the time was called Actors Showcase, and um, asked if I wanted to do a musical clown show that toured in northern Manitoba. And of course, I said, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Get me a coat. I need a coat, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you need, you need ski pants, too. <laughs> I was quite a shocker, you know, we went, I think we went as far as Gillum, I think was the nor most north we went in the middle of winter. 
Okay. Yeah, that's, it was uh, north. Like you are you you are John Snow in the north. <laughs> <laughs> Churchill's right next door. So wow, that's I have an affinity for clowns. My uncle is a designer, and he was in. He's. He, I'm going to tell you right now. I've never told this on the show before because I've never really oh. talk about it. My uncle drove while he was still an active clown. Uh, he drove the clown car at the Shrine Circus. No way! Amazing. Way. So I spent my youth every year for a week hanging out with clowns while they were getting ready to go on stage at the old barn in Winnipeg Arena. Like, so clowns to me are fun. Everybody else is scared of them, but I think traveling clown show to Gila, Manitoba, that's a good time. They need some clowns. Keeps you warm. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, MTYP, yeah. uh, traveling clown show, and you're like, okay, cool, and you came here, and then what made you stay? Oh, well, I, um, uh, I auditioned for another show, another musical, a country and Western musical based on Othello, if you can imagine. <laughs> More Shakespeare. More Shakespeare, but with no Shakespeare. It was, um, the band was Humphrey and the Dump Trucks. That's, and, that's the name yeah. for <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I did this, and it was the very first show at um, a theater called Prairie Theater Exchange that was just... Uh, they just got their new home in Portage Place Mall, and we were going to be in the very first, I think, first season. We think we were the last show of the first season in that um, up-and-coming mall. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so that was really cool. And then in that show, I met, um, of course, I got together with the musical director, Daniel Kulak is his name, and we have two wonderful children, and we have since... Um, parted ways but uh you know i i also not only you know um i fell in love with not only the theater community but i realized what an incredible music community was here and uh, he was really involved in the folk music scene and um just i just saw that winnipeg could be a place to put down roots and have a really wonderful life i think at that point i didn't even I didn't even think about the career too much. I just, I thought about more the people in the place and then tried to figure out how to make a living with, you know, with telling stories uh, while staying here. And so hence the diversification of my, of my skills and, you know, having, being a writer, being a, being a, an actor in theater, being a, a director in theater and uh, working in film. Yeah. It's just, it's all part of the same. It's all part of a similar skill set. We can talk more about that later, but it's um, it's essentially storytelling, right? Yeah. No. I boundaries, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't care where you are. If you're, if you can, you can make me forget that I'm sitting on my couch. You're telling a really good story. And yeah, where I'm sitting. Oh, and yes, and that was the other thing too. That um, growing up in BC was all about. You know, it was all about uh, being outside and the mountains and the sports. And um, on a good on a good weekend, you'd have thirty people sitting inside a theater. And and here, I really got the feeling that audiences um, needed needed stories. So we need yeah. stories. <laughs> Come oh. on, please. So many, you felt like you're really, you know, that was, some, that it was an important thing to do, that it was a noble thing to do. You could feel like a, that art was important. And, um, I hadn't felt that in BC. I don't think I hadn't felt that importance and value on, on, uh, on stories and art as much as I, I had having moved here. So it's really great that you saw it from that perspective instead of, you know, just a, you know, 
it, it you're self-sacrificing in that sense. You're like, I will come here and tell my stories to a place that I feel my stories are heard because they don't have these stories here. I think that's, that's really cool. Instead of just like the spotlights on you and it's about you, it's you're, you're, you're trying to entertain us. And that's all we want is we want good stories. Yes. Yeah. And you want, you want people to care. Yeah. I love walking. I, I love Christopher Walken, but I love walking out of a movie. Um, and like, I just love, I miss so much the parking lot, 20 minute debrief mm. of how we all saw things differently. And I mean, it's Avengers Endgame, whatever it's, it's popcorn, but like how we all were affected differently and how we all had a good time. Right. And, yeah. and you don't get that anymore with the vid. And I mean, it'll come back. We all know it'll come back, but um, it just, you're right. Like, uh, and, and the theater, I, I mean, I, I have a very loud over the top animated personality, which is why I think I was like, you should be in musical theater. Cause it just played well. And I remember having so much fun on that stage and acting fun and stage makeup and tights and just so much, like so many <laughs> different weird things. And we're all in different cliques, but we're all telling a story together. So much fun. Yeah. But I, I, uh, I love being in the audience of a play way more than I ever liked being on stage. And I'm just curious for somebody who's written plays, you have a resume. Oh my God. Uh, you, uh, I felt <laughs> I wanted to try to take notes, but I was like, we're just going to, I'm just going to ask her questions. Yeah. Yeah. Have, no, okay. so much here. But um, what is it about the theater that's different from the screen and obvious reasons the, take the environment out of it. But is it, mm -hmm. is it palpable? Is it that the environment you can taste it versus the screen, which is kind of, it's, it's, it's effects, right? It's, it's made more where the theater yeah. is what it is. Well, you know, I've come to have a, a great appreciation for for film and especially now because the, the writing, well, film and television, the writing is so incredible and the, the where se series can take you now is so amazing. But um, I think I think for me, the theater was always the place where um, you felt the immediate connection to people. Uh, when you're telling a story, uh, it's not just laughter. It's it's actually hearing hearing a group of people listening and and taking them on a journey is just it's just something that's hard to describe. And I and I guess if you know being in an audience, you feel it too. You and it's something we're all deprived of right now because we can't all be in a group experiencing a story or a feeling together, being moved together, and um, it's just, I think it's something that humans crave. And uh, when you're acting or when you're on stage in that, in that theater, you, you do, you feel more connected to being present than, than you do when you're, when you're alone. I mean, that's what I think about all the time in the pandemic. Um, with film, it's, it's different. It's a totally, it, you almost can't compare the two experiences um acting on cameras is, is very very different of course you have the you know a lot of people around all focused on their job but they're not focused on going on the story journey with you okay. and as as a performer you'll never feel that unless you're sitting within the audience of a film that you did uh, hearing the audience go through the through the experience with you it's a shared event in the theater where it's a viewed experience 
Yes, and every single time it's different. And it's different because the audience is different every time. Okay, yeah, because, yeah. okay, I've been in, I've been in, uh, I saw Aaron Sorkin's um, A Few Good Men. Yeah. Hearing, you can't handle the truth in a room, <laughs> Jack Nicholson can say it a thousand times and I will always smile, but it felt different there that one time. And I think it's because you can feel the venom and the anger behind the captain, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's just, that's just my little theater experience. What do you like more? Actually, I shouldn't say what do you like more? What do you find you're gravitating towards more like in, in regards to actually I'll, I'll refer, I'll double down on this. Okay. Um, where do you feel the most creative acting or writing? That is a very interesting question. Um, every time I'm and well, and I'll throw directing in there too, because um about 10 years ago i i um then wanted to become a director uh, because i thought that would be that would be everything you know you're you're kind of in charge of the whole vision of of something and i really like collaborating with people and um i felt like that wasn't that's a natural progression to go from being an actor to being a director so i went to stratford and i um I was in, I did a two year directing program there. Just and, for anyone that doesn't know, Stratford, I know is a very big theater school, but what, what is Stratford for the? Oh, Stratford. Yeah. It's not a theater school. It's, um, it's a big, um, <laughs> it's a big, it's a big festival. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Stratford. Yeah. Based on Stratford on Avonlea, which is Shakespeare's home. Is that where he's from? Stra yeah. Stratford upon Avon is, is, uh, yeah, is, um, in England. Now this is the Ken Ontario version. Okay. Uh, it was started in the fifties. Um, Christopher Plummer uh, was there actually in uh, one, in one of my seasons. Usually forget the amazing Canadian Christopher Plummer. Oh, so amazing. So amazing. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's Canada's biggest theater festival. And its focus had always been on, um, it was on Shakespeare for a long time. It, it's now, um, uh, it's it's now a lot of different things, but um, they do huge musicals there, huge productions. I mean, not now because of the pandemic, but um, it's just a wonderful place. And I thought if I'm gonna learn how to be a director, I wanna learn how to be a, I wanna learn how to direct big. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I went there and learned how to direct big. <laughs> how do we, how do we define direct big oh gosh like how many lights can you think of uh <laughs> like a like a 20k or something like just big lighting big big yeah okay I know yeah big lighting big fly galleries uh 25 people on stage uh um working with choreographers and fight directors and um the act, the movement coaches, and you name it. You know, it's uh, handmade shoes, um, real hair wigs. You know, it's just wow. a, a huge hard. budget. It's really, it's really a fantastic place. I loved being there. It was so that neat. Sound like a place. It sounds like a better reality. <laughs> it's a better. <laughs> well, yeah, it can be. It can be. It's um, you know, it's again, it's like any place. It's got. It's like a little um a little society it's got yeah. its own um 
politics involved and everything yeah uh, that takes the fun out of it all yeah well it was i had a great time as a as as someone who was there just for a couple of years to learn how to i could ask as many questions uh, as i wanted um got lots of mentorship it was so fun so yeah that was about 10 years ago and then really since then i had been doing kind of all three things pretty much equally so acting writing and directing uh in pretty much equal equal measure. And what I found was that each thing actually teaches you something about the other. So if I'm directing actors, and I've just done a show as an actor, I know how vulnerable an actor is, I know how to speak to them and um, how to, I think how to how to help them. Okay. And as a writer, you know, you you're really trying to make sure that you honor the words of the playwright when you're when you're directing something and when you're acting it all it all kind of really it's all kind of one thing uh you're just wearing different hats you know yes i've heard that many times it's but it's also knowing who else is wearing the same hat as you like you mentioned like you know what an actor might be feeling in a scene you know what a writer might be trying to convey as an actor and as a director you know what you're trying you're trying to tell the story of the writer and pull the performance out of the actor so yeah it's like this perfect little triangle i guess of nice battle it's like very miyagi <laughs> it's very miyagi oh i love that reference <laughs> yes yes we're big um we're big fans of that series here <laughs> oh shauna, shauna just started watching it the other night i was like yeah. come on let's watch this together it's gonna be a good time no yeah. no we 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 have we have marital issues when it comes to the tv that's our biggest problem is please oh me and she won't and that's fine i don't i'm learning through other podcasts and my own therapy i'm just kidding. um that doesn't matter right but yeah. uh she just started watching it the other night and i was like i will stop watching where i am so that you can catch up and we can enjoy johnny and daniel and everybody else at the same time together because it's gonna be fun yeah oh it's made for the, it, that is that is one of the perfect cases of writers knowing what we want yeah and knowing 100%. how to just give you like like a comic book, how they have a splash page, like both pages are carrying the same image. That's what they're doing with Karate Kid. They're just like, here's some flashbacks. Here's some Miyagi. Here's Johnny and Daniel still getting in each other's faces 20 years later. Like it's God. all things that you want. And you're like, yes, more Karate Kid, more crane kick. So good. I'm so yeah. glad I like that. That just changes everything all of a sudden. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So you've, what are what are what are some of your uh before we get into what we're here to talk about? Um uh, what yeah. are some of your favorite works of writing and acting and directing that you've done? You've done all three. So what oh. off your head? Like what what are you, what are your some of your your greatest hits? Well, I think um uh I worked on there was one summer there's a there's a theater company that I work uh for in Nova Scotia uh called Festival Anniganish and they're they're a small um they're a small rep uh rep meaning they do with the same cast uh a number of plays over the summer and I had been going back there gosh I've been like five or six times and um they there was one year where they had done uh, I directed a play I directed a comedy it was called run for your wife they they love to do uh, British comedies there which I love to direct because they're so <laughs> much fun um and then I was uh, then in the 
one of the other shows was a show play that I had written called Burn in Love. And then I was writing another show. So I was there, I was there uh, as a writer and a director. And, and it was, it was just, I think that would, I would, I would consider that, you know, kind of the best thing You're sitting in one room writing a show while you're listening to another one of your shows being directed and then the next day directing something really fun so that's crazy yeah that was so great and uh um last well I guess two summers ago now at Rainbow Stage I directed um sort of a reimagined version of uh Danny Shore and Rick Chafe's musical Strike yes yes Strike yeah Winnipeg. I I saw I was at the uh, premiere of the movie. Oh, at the stand. Yeah. So well, I think of them as two different things because the the play is a little bit different than the yeah. movie. Yeah, the same story told two different ways. Would that be a great way to like? It's, it's about yeah. the script, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's the same same story told two different ways. And um, in uh, in the Rainbow Stage production, we had all a a lot of the act. Well, we had all the actors playing instruments, into cool. including three kids who played newsies and um it was it was really challenging putting you know uh staging the whole thing but uh, i was very proud of it and the fact that it was happening during the um all of the strike activities uh, it had a really special feel to it and um yeah. oh, my yeah. husband carson and i were both in the the original um production many years ago so oh <laughs> so it comes back tenfold that's awesome yeah yeah so that was great and um i don't know i've played a lot of there's a lot of um i i have done i don't know how many shows at mtc probably 20 at manitoba theater center yep the royal manitoba theater center now um and a highlight was uh a play called august osage county i've heard and, of it I, I should, yeah yeah that's was, that's a big production yeah oh yeah it's a big uh award-winning play it's i think it's considered one of the best plays of the last 25 years did they make a movie of it and is clint eastwood in it <laughs> they did make a movie of it i do a lot of people were in it i don't think clint eastwood was in it but um for mel streep was meryl, meryl streep yes i can see how you get the two confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah one's a racist who screams at chairs and the other one's a fantastic actress i couldn't i don't know how i did that <laughs> it was the fantastic actress person. Yeah. It's just a great play. It's so fantastic. It's just Amer an American play about a very, very dysfunctional family. Um, you have this look that comes across your face when you're talking about being in plays that with my limited experience, because we really have, you're the, you're actually the first actor we've had a chance. Aww. to Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> so I am too, because I have been working up trying to talk to people about acting and storytelling and getting into characters and stuff. So I'm super happy that this is happening. Um, let's step back into what we're talking about for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. But with, with the look on your face that I'm talking about, it just looks like it's your favorite place to be because mm -hmm. it's, it, is it, is it never? Cause I remember the two musicals I did. One of the things that I remember vividly, no two shows are alike no two performances will ever have the same feel timing whatever because because you're doing the same thing over and over and over again but to do it maybe over and over again like you want to do it perfectly but do you want to also have a little bit of that you know room for chaos and impromptu lines maybe like just that that little extra 
Yeah. It's like, gosh, when it's really cooking and you really feel like you're, you're on your A game, I imagine it's probably this, a similar feeling to, to playing sports or something like you're, you have to be so in tune to your acting partners and so in tune to what's happening in the audience. And I, yeah, I think, I think it's just feeling on your A game feeling. And especially when, you know, when anybody does something that they, um, that they love to do and they're doing it they they're doing it in a way where they feel like they're experiencing every every little drip of everything that 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 entails i think there's there's something about um there's a passionate there's a passion there that's that's super palpable uh i was sick about well i got cancer about four years ago and you're asking me i'm i'm i think i'm better i don't know i did all the treatment and everything i feel fine i feel fine no, i just love that it's past tense like if, if, if it's behind you yeah i feel like it's behind me but um you had asked me you know what i like better like do i like writing or acting or directing yeah, better i don't remember now <laughs> yeah it was early in our conversation and and right. i'm just remembering that now you know when you when you get when you have a, a disease that can kill you uh, you do a little, you know, the little soul searching yeah. and you think, um, yeah, you know, you just think about your, your life and your career and stuff. And, uh, I remember feeling like I never wanted to give up acting of the three things I felt, I think I realized at that time that I, I that I felt the most alive when, when I was performing. And that has a lot to do with not so much people looking at me, but, but it's, it's more to do with exactly what I described to you earlier that uh, being in connection with a large group of people and, and there's no more height. There's a, there's a heightened quality about acting when you're acting with a partner um, or, and I consider an audience a partner. So even in a one person show, when you're, when you're playing with that audience, there's, there there's there's really nothing like it there's nothing like that experience when you're when it's when it's really going well or even when it's going badly (laughs) 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 well the actors you know they always come with uh and you know this is a whole nother podcast um crazy things that can happen during a run of a show right like there's oh okay all right you've touched on it so we can't not talk about it for all right all right and since we're we're merging theater and film okay this is this is a good story so um do you know uh the movie a christmas story uh leg lamp yeah (laughs) for julie for julie yeah (laughs) Yeah. the leg lamp one of my favorite christmas shows so when they were doing it at the royal manitoba theater center i got to play the mom yes i read that on your on your res yes yeah. So I would say, oh, going back. Yeah. That's a highlight for sure. That was really one of the most fun productions. There were, I think, eight kids in the show. Wow. They were fantastic. Okay, well, there's Peter. There's, is it Peter and Georgie? Yeah. Georgie uh, yeah. And there then, are my two sons. And then all their friends, the one that sticks his tongue to the. Yeah. Him, the bully that he beats. Yeah. Up. The bully, the, um, the girls. Yeah. yeah, there's 
That's like very kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I love doing shows with kids. Um, but anyway, one night, you know, a, 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 the the leg lamp is such a huge part of iconic part of that story. And yeah, yeah. And so when um, in the story, uh, there the husband and wife have the fight over the leg lamp being in the, the electric sex being in the, <laughs> the window, right? And and um, she's really embarrassed about it, and she breaks it one night she's watering a plant and the narrator says I don't know what happened but you know we heard a crash and she <laughs> denies it so in the in the play there's a there's a you know a leg lamp in the window and in the blackout um one of the stage crew has to come and take take the lamp away yeah. Yeah. and I come on in the blackout with the broken leg lamp and the lights come up and you're like oh I don't know you know I don't know what happened <laughs> your leg lamp broke it's a huge part of the story Anyway, this one night, and this happens, this is nobody's nobody's fault, really, but um, they didn't come to take the leg lamp out of the window. <laughs> so I'm holding this broken leg lamp and looking at looking in the win window going, the story will end. And everything in my brain, you know, I've talked about being a storyteller, thought this story, it can't go on this way. They can't see two leg lamps, oh, one wow. broken and one not. You just read so, out of it. So I didn't even know, I don't even know how I did this. I don't have any memory of doing this, <laughs> but um, when the lights came up, I had wrapped myself, I was, I leapt up onto the window and wrapped myself into, in the curtain. So the curtain was covering the intact leg lamp in the window um, and, and me. And I did the whole scene that way with <laughs> the guy playing the narrator standing behind me seeing exactly what was going on and uh, the fellow playing my husband thinking my skirt had fallen off and even though it was terrifying and harrowing <laughs> it was so exhilarating you know at the afterwards to tell and to tell the story is so fun it's just uh, people don't know and no one would have known no no audience member would have known they just thought that's the way it was but if they had seen both leg lamps show would be over that and i just to bookend that like that's you taking care and telling stories and making sure that they're not lost out of the moment that they get the full experience the full monty so to speak yes like you you know it's, it's almost life and death stakes honestly <laughs> Like it's I know not. it's just a story, but when no. you're in, yeah, because it's life and death to the value of the ticket purchase, to the experience of the of the guests, to the to the review, it's life and death to a lot of things that in 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 world in real life, then we both know it's just a story, but to the moment, to the experience, it's everything or nothing. Yes, yes. And I think as the storyteller, too, it's just like, no, that can't happen. That's not how it's supposed to go. That's not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. And if you don't take it personally, you obviously aren't, you know, dropping 150% on the floor at the end of the night. And no. that's the thing about theater performances is that you, you go on set for a couple months, you shoot, you're done. You do theater. How long is what's the longest run you've ever done? Um, you know, I haven't never been in those, those, those shows that run for years, but, um, I think, I think probably two months, two yeah. months of the same thing in matinee yeah. evening, right. Doing it over and over again. Like you perfect riding a bicycle to the point where you can ride the bicycle without using your feet. Right. Cause oh yeah. There's some show. Sometimes it's eight shows a week, same show, two shows yeah. a day. Yeah. Which, 
to like to everybody who's ever come from theater and i guess this is a great point to transition because um it seems that some of the best are from the theater kenneth Branagh, daniel day lewis just name a few i don't i don't know who's got a background in theater for female so if you would like to educate me i'm more than happy for you to tell me who's a popular female who's come oh from oh boy um well i think uh, i think I think Meryl Streep probably has a has a background in theater. Yeah. We were talking about her earlier. Um, Helen I Mary think a lot of the British actors, like I, I think yeah. you'll find that Olivia Coleman probably has a, a background in theater. She's one of my faves right now. I'm gonna just say that she does because there's no way she's that wickedly amazing at what she does without yeah. having like there's just some there's something about you theater folk that just have something that's just it's I don't know what it is, but you guys just grab the camera a lot more. Yeah, well, somewhat, you know, sometimes people like to say, like acting coaches and stuff like to say, oh, theater people are too broad or they're too, they're too big on camera. But I like to say that the camera actually just picks up if you're lying. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. people are big and animated and it's just that if you're dishonest, a camera is going to be able to pick, you know, it's so close to you that they're going to be able to pick that up. Well, and also it's projection, right? You're sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes you're not, if it's an intimate setting, I would imagine, you know, it's your voice only. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to produce more than what you can fix and post with. Totally. You're, you're in charge of the editing. You're in charge of the story when you're in the theater. Take. What's that? You're editing on the take. Yeah, like, you're editing it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're really doing that. And, the, and then it took me a while to figure out that in film, you know, in, on movie sets you're providing the raw footage for someone else to tell the story so yeah no totally yeah thought. so you give you can give beautiful moments you don't know you don't know whether or not that's going to make it into the movie you don't know whether the lighting was bad on your best take or or not you you know it's a less yeah it's more controlled and less controlled in a way there's apparently a 20-hour cut of once upon a time in hollywood and there's a six hour cut of Suicide Squad. Like these, these we're finding out, people are finding out more and more that didn't know that, yeah, movies are usually like three and four hours if you took everything and put it back to back. Cause it's just another take, another take. David Fincher, it's probably 12 hours, right? Cause the guy does a hundred takes a scene. Yeah. So, but the, the condensed down stuff is always the byproduct of the footage you're providing somebody else to tell a different story. You're totally right. Where theater, one shot, you get the two hours, you get the three acts, that's your window, man. If you don't nail it, there's your life and death. Yeah, and that's why in theater we rehearse so much, and in in movies you you do a blocking and then you shoot it. Usually, <laughs> you get you get that time. So, um, yeah. I, I there's so much more I want to know about you, but for the sake of time, I would rather get into what I would. Well, love. this is a this is a good way to transition into sure. talking about intimacy coordination. Um, because, yeah. Well, let's just start there. What the hell is intimacy coordination? <laughs> I I am so limited on this. I'm I'm like one of the people listening to you, so I'm just gonna shut up and let you talk now. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. So it, we've been, we've been hearing a lot about intimacy coordination recently, um, largely to do with Bridgerton, I think, and Lizzie yeah. Talbot, who's the intimacy coordinator on that show. That show's getting a lot of attention because it has an intimacy coordinator on it and um 
HBO has a has now uh, committed to having an intimacy coordinator on everything that they do. That's awesome. And um, um, I'll just go back to my interest in it, which started. Uh, I guess it started in two thousand, but three and a half years ago, four years ago, two thousand seventeen. I was at Stratford at the Stratford Festival uh, as part of a. An, another direct uh, directing um uh program there and uh i went to see a production of uh, a greek play that had um that had a lot of um uh i guess like si simulated uh, orgies in it i mean beautifully staged sim simulated orgies and the intimacy work the 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 simulated sex in that scene was so beautifully done uh was extremely moving and the and theatrical and gorgeous and um choreographed and and then i i uh, realized that they had something called an intimacy director on that show and i had never seen that before i had never seen that title intimacy director so i um after i got home i kind of did did a little bit of research and there wasn't much about intimacy directors or intimacy coordinators even four years ago so that's how new you know that's kind of how new it is um but i found an organization in the states called intimacy directors international and they were doing a a 10-day intensive in uh, urbana illinois um and i signed up because i thought that's interesting i don't know what it is i'm gonna go see what it is <laughs> Clowns uh, in Northern Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, the clowns in Northern Manitoba, exactly. Um, so I went down and I did this 10-day uh, uh, intensive on intimacy direction. And it was taught by um, three of the three of the founders of this, this uh, movement, I guess you could call it. Um, one was Alicia Rodis, and she's the one that uh, heads heads the intimacy coordinators at HBO now. Um, she was doing it then too, but just starting. Um, and uh, another woman named Tanya Sina, who was uh, getting uh, getting some of the work out in universities all over the states. And uh, Claire Warden, who's been um, she she's been really making a splash with her intimacy direction on Broadway recently. So these were my teachers um, and I learned so much. Uh, it was mostly um, how to choreograph uh, simulated sex scenes uh, for the stage for the stage. That was the thrust of this thrust of this. Then uh, <laughs> they worked out. Ha -ha. I was trying so hard to keep my pun. In <laughs> I <that>. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're the one who stepped out. Oh, that's amazing. And it was uh, so interesting. We talked a lot about um uh the approach, the approach that they they wanted to have uh in terms of consent, mutual consent. This was was one of the main things that that the actors are um consent to everything that they're doing because really you're you're in such a you're such an in vulnerable position as a as an actor uh you'll you know you pretty much do what you're you know you kind of do what you're told and um uh so i love that i love this this consent component choreography uh communication um and then strategies to uh 
uh, yeah, strategies of communication of how are you going to actually um, develop this, make it look real, you know, make it look real on stage. And the group was, I think I was the only Canadian there. And um, there were people from all over the States. And a lot of them had come come at it from uh, being stunt directors and coordinators. Um, some of them had come come to the work um, at, from being uh, choreographers. Other people were directors. A couple of people were, were actors. Some people like myself who kind of did a whole bunch of things. And um, yeah, I just sort of basically learned about all that. And then there, Alicia had did one day on intimacy coordination. And that's what we call um, the the intimacy, uh, the person in charge of the simulated sex, nudity, and um, um, any scenes involving intimacy on on film and television. Intimacy coordinator. So they wanted to be very, you know very specific about very distinct about those yeah. those two things. Um, and I think part of that is because in a film you're not. Uh, they would bring the intimacy coordinator on to actually um, support the vision of the director. So you're actually not the direct, you know, you're not, you're not kind of coming in and taking over the scenes of intimacy. Um, but you're, you're, you're sort of help helping to make sure that the actors and the director are on the same page, that everything uh, that nothing's a, nothing's really a surprise when you get to the shoot that you that you know uh you know what they're going to be wearing where where what is the action of the scene uh instead of generally they make out on the bed like what what does that actually mean yeah. um you plan it ahead of time you put it in writing ahead of time you check with the actors ahead of time to make sure that they know what they're being asked to do uh, what level of le level of nudity they're going to be uh, required to be in? Um, it's uh, there's quite a there's quite a lot to the actual to the actual job. But what I what I like about it is that um, you would never, you know, you'd never kind of just say, "Let's crash this car." No, you don't. Here's a car. Here's a couple of actors. Let's just go crash this car. No. So why are we asking? Why have we been asking of it? Why have we been asking people to, um, you know, uh, depict any like sexual assault or 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 sex on screen um, without having somebody there to help coordinate it, <laughs> like literally coordinate it and make sure that everybody's on on the same page and they feel safe. As somebody who didn't know this position existed. And then when they found out it did, the next day I watched movies differently. It you did? How so? I'm so curious. It made me go, it, it's exactly what you're saying, is that you plan a stunt scene. I think I mentioned this in our emails too, where I'm like, you're not that far outside of the same ballpark as somebody who's teaching Ryan Reynolds how to kick ass on screen. Yep, you're like, exactly right. You're coordinating something. We call them stunt coordinators and we call them stunt men stunt women for a reason right someone directs you on how to do it the director wants it coordinators go between actor stunt person so on and so forth same thing here but it just was so surprising to me that now that i look at every love scene that i see i go back and i think 
man, how bad was it on set to get this now that I have an appreciation for, like I said, limited research because I just wanted you to teach me. Yeah. Uh, but I now look back at some of my favorite movies from the 90s and early 2000s and I just have this feeling of, man, if this had only been here for some of these, we might A, have better quality, <laughs> but B, also have more rea- more realism, right? Like that's the whole purpose of what you're saying. Do you, what What scene do you want to depict? And do you want to depict it the right way? Because now I see a sexual assault scene and I just go, that's incredibly triggering for somebody. I'm sure it is. And with someone who's an intimacy coordinator to allow for the direction and understanding and communication to exist now, Mm -hmm. just the straight ordering, you can only imagine what the leaps and bounds have been for the industry. But yeah, I, I, I just, it, every sex scene now goes, oh, I wonder how uncomfortable they were. Or I wonder if they had someone championing, championing for them. Or I wonder if there was so many, so much disagreements it ruined the telling of the story. Like it, it, it just seemed like there was. It, it's been a missing piece to that part of the industry for a very long time. And I'm a layman, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think this is. I think this is exactly right. Um, I think what a lot of the things I hear all the time is like, how how have we been doing these scenes up to now? When you think about all the content, you know, all of the exactly like you're saying, like the the sexual uh, content that we, you know, that we demand in our in our television now and films. I mean, it's all it's always actors, right? It's always actors there. And sometimes you might have a wonderful director who feels really um confident in in putting together scenes like that but you know as we know with um the me too movement which is where you know the formalization of this work kind of came out of um it 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 didn't always work you know it wasn't it wasn't always a, a safe place for for actors and you know i was talking about that earlier how vulnerable actors are and so to have somebody on set so I'll just talk about, you know, our role on set, like having somebody there who is who is um not in the power dynamic. You're not the you're not responsible for hiring the actor. You're not the director. Um you're you're the actor's advocate. So 100%. if yeah, if somebody is um feeling uncomfortable at, about anything at any time, you, you know, you're you're there you're that person who else who else was it it was often you know i've done lots of these scenes and i've I've been in lots of situations where i've been on you know uh been asked to do things at the last minute and you don't know who who to talk to (laughs) the costume person ends up being your person that's not really their job no Um, they they don't teach no no why is it the costume person i feel so bad for all of you (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know people may do right like you you know there's so much that can come up and in scenes like that Uh, dynamics between actors that might need to be in navigated um communication not being not not knowing in advance like you know what the scene is when you're when you're reading sides it just says you know sometimes it can just say you know they make out it's super hot <laughs> so my job would be to find out from the director what is what do you what do you envision in plain language what do you envision super hot what is what is that what does that mean to how you. do we how, what do you want from there you know and, and then you you kind of gather the information so that you can write it down um 
Well, now we're having a conversation, it seems. Before it was script to camera action, but now yeah. we're having a dynamic, a dialogue, uh, a back and forth, whatever you want to call it, where there's, if my body's involved and I'm the actor and there's a director who's demanding a performance from me, it would be nice to converse and not be thrown pages 30 seconds before that say, now your pants are off. And it's like, what, where, where, where are we here? But like also how, how do, how do those pants get off? How do yeah. they think that's going to happen? We have to deconstruct it, right? You have to, uh, well, Bridgerton's a, a great example of, um, I all the, all of that costume, like, you know, yeah. how, do you, how do you navigate through all that? And how do you make it look good? We're not just the, we're not just ad advocates for actors, but we're also there. We're also taught techniques, masking techniques. And, um, you know, we learn about, uh, you know, what angles like camera angles, you, you learn a lot about filmmaking. What so that, <laughs> Everybody wants what angle am I good at? Right. Like, but you have to take that in. It's joking. You have to, uh, Brad Crawford, a uh, local cinematographer is a very good friend of mine. And I've talked to him about lighting and yeah. having a camera in scenes that, you know, you wouldn't normally be looking at a lens through. And he's, he's said, you know, close set, just who you want there and he's mentioned in some actually he was one of the first people who mentioned intimacy coordinator for me because mm -hmm. i imagine you're in touch with the director yep. the cinematographer the gaffer uh costume like you you're 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 an every person everywhere you are you're 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 usually a team of one on a set and you communicate with everyone yeah you you communicate it's it's your job to um gather as much information as you can and make sure that everybody's on the same page so there's no surprises on the day and you know an actor wants to act they don't want to be worried about um uh what's going to be asked of them at the at the last second and especially if you can imagine if you're if you're performing a simulated sex scene or an assault scene or even a birthing scene or or having a shower in which you're you know you're you're partially nude you you want to know how are you going to be taken care of uh, uh how many people are going to be in the room um what what are they going to be seeing you know uh yeah what angle am i going to be shot at what am i going to be asked to do uh there's there is a lot of questions and and when you're acting a scene like that you don't want your head to be filled with those questions, those technical questions. You want your head to be able to engage in the scene and act it. Connecting with your partner, knowing, knowing, and if you've practiced how to take the clothes off and how do you get, how do you back up into a bed without falling over? How many steps does it take, you know, to get there? Um, what it, how, what's the choreography going to be like? say in a simulated sex scene what's Art. the exact choreography what are the you know then you can act isn't that what we want to see we want to be emotionally engaged and uh we want to have make sure that we have a good uh you know good rehearsed groundwork in order to do that i have such a different opinion a, a more educated one and a better view of what that like you just being a viewer, being somebody on this side of, of the camera, on this side of the industry, just, you know, enjoying the fruits of your labor. Um, yeah. I, you don't think about it cause you, yeah. you up in the story, but 
then I get these lovely conversations with you guys and, and I start thinking, I'm like, yeah, you want to be in the zone. You don't want to be awkward or if you have to be confident, you don't want to be shy. Right. And, and you've got your personality battling your craft in a scene. That's like you listening to your play while watching a play. Like it's just too much at once for the brain to compute and, and you can't give a performance. And, just something I never another. I'm gonna watch a sex scene later on this week. I know it because I watch like thirty movies a week, and I'm I'm gonna see it again. I'm gonna be like, wow, and and so I'm I'm curious, and I'm sure anybody would be. What's a walkthrough like? Like, how do you block? How do you like what? What are the nuts and bolts of a basic? Like, I, I I'm not. I, I'm just curious. Like a basic sex scene, like prep. Mm. To, we all know what happens on camera, but how do you prep? How do you walk into that? How do you comfort it? How do you, how do you nurture it to it being what everybody wants? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, again, because it's so new, um, ideally you would have a, the intimacy coordinator would have a meeting with all the people that you just mentioned, especially the director and, and costumes and, um, the first AD usually, and, uh, the showrunner, the writer, and uh you first of all get a, a sense of what what they want the scene to to be you know what the what the vision of this of the scene is and then get really try to you really try to get details and sometimes the director hasn't thought of it yet you know the they've thought generally about what what the scene what they want from the scene but um sometimes it's the intimacy coordinator's job to ask specific questions like how exactly what how much nudity do you want to see? You know, this is exactly what I'm getting at. Like, are we, like, yeah. doesn't that change the rating of the movie then? Like, uh, yeah, know? sometimes there's parameters like, yes, uh, in, in this, you know, if it's being shot for a certain network, we can't see any, um, we can't see any frontal nudity, but we could see, you know, uh, a bum, <laughs> like, you know, you could see, yeah, the, the, you, you get really specific. Yeah. As much as specific as you can. And then, Hopefully the director and the act will have a conversation with the actors and they'll talk about, again, they'll have that communication about the vision. And then, um, and then the intimacy coordinator will have a private conversation with the actors. And this is the place where the actor might feel more comfortable in, in being really specific about what, what they want to be, you know, what can be seen. Safe space. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that it's a safe space. It's a safe space to actually get consent. And then we have it all in writing. There's an, an actual like a document. And then on the day, um, hopefully this is what I would love is, is to have an actual rehearsal with, with the actors beforehand. That's, that's kind of, um, that's, you know, that's so tight on a, on a movie. Sometimes your rehearsal is between the blocking and when you're shooting it, but you know, while they're setting up lights, you can, you can at least go through stuff. Yeah. I think a sex scene requires more than just like, all right, we're here. Then we're here. Camera's here. Yeah. Mark here. Like this is, and this is probably sometimes two people who don't like each other who may not enjoy working together, but there's so many things. There's so many things. It could be, it could be a minor who, who has never kissed someone. Have you ever, you know, people don't think of that, have never kissed anyone in real life. And now they're going to have their first kiss on screen. Oh my God. So nav navigating through that. I'm um, grade seven nightmares all over again. Just thinking about that. Like that would be, 
And like you've got six or seven people there. I mean, close set probably is the limited amount, but still, first kiss in front of a bunch of people that you don't know. You don't know what you're doing, but now you got to act like you know what you're doing. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Um, so yeah, essentially it's, it's really about making sure that everybody, everybody knows what they're, you know, everybody is clear yeah. on what, what's being asked of them and consenting to it freely. And if they, if they don't, then they can say, you know, they're, they're, they're invited to say where, where their, um, limitations are and that, and that can't be, um, that's gotta be respected by by all the parties you know usually when you're reading a script you know if you're if you're an actor and you've read the script you 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 know what the content is going to be you this work. is about this is about the the details of that content and how that and how that content is going to be delivered in a way that um no but but that actors feel feel safe and um nobody's being nobody's being being coerced or exploited i think it's a really important job and i i yes feel very passionate about the 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 need for it you know i i, I think it's just like it's it it's one of those things where we're like how the hell did we get this far in this and and it's it's the nightmare story right it's the me too movement that opened up yeah in the scenes not to you know be punny but the behind the scenes of all of this dark shit that that needed uh, the lid to be blown off of it so i got a question do you think we would be having this conversation had the me too movement not happened like would we still be 20 years 30 years out from this mm -hmm. because this is i mean it, it's a it's a it's one of the great outcomes of the me too movement is okay. If, if this is where the problem is, then we need to be a ground zero of the problem. Yeah, that, that is a very, very good question. Um, people have been doing this work before the me too movement in a, in a, in a more grassroots way. Okay. I think that actors have been, um, have been gradually empowering themselves more throughout through you know the past 10 years for sure i think the me too movement just accelerated the formalization of of this work in this role um we're still it's 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 still so new i mean there are there aren't a lot of tr like really well-trained experienced intimacy coordinators yet they're they're becoming trained you know people are sharon i'm talking to one <laughs> well yeah i'm still new too but um you know i've done a couple movies and um had lots of training and i still ongoing training i mean we're trained in things that you wouldn't think about like um like mental health first aid uh trauma some trauma work you know, um, I haven't done a movie like this yet, but what if there was a, a you know, a, an assault or a, 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 you know, assault scene with a child or something, and there's somebody on set who that's really triggering for, not even just the actors, but say a gaffer, you know, like yeah. we're trained to, to um, have an awareness of the crew as well. Um, 
have an awareness of what the stand-ins have to do when they're when they're um, getting in place for for the lighting. You know talk, what? Talk to me about stand-ins for a second. So, is it always like where are the stand-ins in play versus? the actors are the stand-in like what what is a stand-in essentially okay stand-in yeah the stand-ins are are really um uh they should resemble the actors in height and um you know skin color hair color uh so that and they they will s literally stand or sit in place well um after the blocking up and when they're setting up the lights okay yeah so it's um it's a it's a tiring job <laughs> um and What's that? It sounds like it. You're waiting a long. Like you're wait. You're waiting. Yeah, you're waiting. It's a really important job because uh, you know, light, light, lighting has to light something, right? Yeah, I and, guess. Um, yeah, no body means. What are we lighting? Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so a stand-in, you know, stand-ins in an intimacy scene or a simulated sex scene wouldn't have to necessarily do, um, do what the actors have to do, but they certainly have to be. Um, you know, probably in close proximity with each other and uh, um, at least not, if not go through the motions, go from, you know, uh, section to section, yeah, okay. right? Yeah. Um, so, and then there's also extras too. Um, I've never worked on a movie like this, but, you know, there's, there can be um, sex party scenes simulated sex party scenes or a locker room where everyone is walking around naked that's somebody's got to do that like <laughs> next time you watch a movie what watch the extras <laughs> i'm going to yeah. watch the naked extras and you know who looks after them who talks to them and asks about their comfortability and consent you know they're all yeah it's i'm just they're all workers I'm sorry I'm so dumbfounded by this. It makes me seem like I'm just a dope, but like I'm just looking at it through this lens now. You go, yeah, did anybody check with XYZ extra if they were okay? And then they yeah. were like, oh, you're, you, you know, and they needed that day's pay or what? Like there's so, it's just if you're, if you're creating real world from into a real world, that's our yeah. little catchphrase, um, then yeah, naked extras are just like naked people in real life in the background, man. Yeah. It really does go deep. It really does. It really does. And then, you know, you think about birthing scenes. That's a very, that's a very vulnerable, yeah. intimate thing. Uh, shower, shower scenes. Um, I love that it stems into not just sex and simulated sex, that it's, that it's all the things that are around nudity and intimacy. Like it's encompassing an intimate moment. Nine times out of 10, it's sex on screen. Yeah. On average, but it's also incorporating these other triggering, awkward, real life moments that need to be handled with care so that you're not making a snuff film, essentially, that's triggering somebody into a corner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And nudity is very vulnerable and also requires, you know, a lot of consent, even when you're not you're not, um, you know, uh, involved with another actor. You're you're still. You're, you still are are being filmed by a bunch of people in a room. So we've covered the why. We've definitely covered the why because you're yeah. the advocate. You're the go-between. You're the you're you're there to protect the integrity of the actor, to make sure that the integrity of the film is protected as well, so that it's you know it's received well and people aren't you know thinking that this was just somebody wanting to 
make a awkward scene and do it just distastefully. Mm-hmm. Um, how do intimacy? Sorry, I, how do intimacy coordinators beyond that make it better for the actor? Is there anything else we haven't covered in that before we move on, or is the, is that pretty much the? I think, I think the thing we haven't covered it's um, is the the artistic component of being an intimacy coordinator. Okay. Um, so you can really be a collaborator, much like a stunt coordinator collaborates with with a director. The director can give you the vision of what they want, and then the the stunt coordinator will make it look great and scary and yeah, uh, turn it yeah, to yeah. And that's that's also what we're trained to do as intimacy coordinators. It's it's not just to just for the advocacy work and the safe and the safety of all involved. It's also um, it's also to try and help the dir- director if they want or need um uh uh certain i don't know certain choreography to to help the scene uh to, to help realize their vision uh, je ne sais quoi, le je, je. yeah yeah exactly exactly and um you know it's meant to be it's meant to be um a collaborative type of role it seems like it it's like you guys were like okay there's this little pocket that we need to start working on in, in, in this industry. And you may, and it, it stems from how do we make this better? How do we all work together? How do we like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to come in here and be like, no, no, no. It's like, no, how do we make the best? Yeah. We want to make the best. We're not the sex police. Yeah. No, <laughs> you I, know, we're, we're uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't, you know, as an artistic person and a person who's, as we've talked about, so driven by stories, yeah. I don't think I would be interested in doing this work if there wasn't a collaborative artistic component to it. I don't want to be the director of the movie, but I I want the I want the uh, simulated sex and nudity and um, uh, intimacy to be as uh, you know uh, to be as wonderful wonderful and safe as it as it as it can possibly be. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. That's it, it. It's bleeding off you, Sharon. It's obvious. <laughs> it, it really is about the end product for us to enjoy, and and I won't have to cover my mother's eyes or her cover cover mine because it's tasteful, <laughs> right? Like I've seen the yeah. prime example would be I took my mom. I was like, let's go see David Fincher movie, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, <laughs> and uh, those scenes. I don't. I mean, I don't know if there was an intimacy coordinator when she attacked the guy, but some of those scenes. I was like, I can't even watch this. And it had nothing to do with my mother being in the room. I was like, these are very intense, almost hateful scenes. And I'm just wondering, like, but at the same time, you're saying the artistic approach of it, those are two very bad scenes. The one I'm talking about where she's raping yeah. and then she, she rapes him and he rapes her. And, and to say artistic and rape in the same sentence is weird unless we're having this conversation because I would imagine that even in the most horrible situations, the intimacy has to be cared for so that, again, we're not falling into the really dark stuff. We're, we're trying to portray a thing and not make it too, like not, not fudge it, I guess, is I, I'm, I'm talking Well, about. art, art is artifice, right? Art is, we're recreating something. Yeah. So it should it should always be that way, and the the what makes it art is the fact that it isn't real that we're that we're 
re we're recreating it. That's what's so incredible about it. Um, yeah, and I don't know, you know, I I look, you know, I'll, I'll probably look at old films before there was intimacy coordinators and wonder how they wonder how they did certain things and how the actors are feeling. And, you know, it's this is not to say like there are some wonderful directors too. not everybody's. Um, not everybody's so Weinstein, you know, yeah, like you only hear about Weinstein's. There's yeah, like there there are some wonderful, um, sensitive directors. Like I've worked with anytime I've had to do intimacy scenes, I've had a, a really, really wonderful experiences with directors that I, I truly trust. Um, so if you have a director like that, then you're, you're really there to, to, um, you know, help, help support, you know, help support. But if something does go wrong or if something, uh somebody's the, the communication goes awry or uh there's there's some crazy power dynamics or you know it's been it's been kind of the wild west and this is a way of this is a way of this role is a way of ensuring that going forward um that th that things can be made in a in a safe and uh, fun and um uh, you know mutually consenting way um, is it i think it's dumb to ask but i'm gonna ask anyway does it make a better product i think i think probably it will make a better product because the actors can be free to um to act instead of worrying worrying about you know what's being seen because they'll know they're they've given their consent they've given their consent they know they know they maybe know they maybe have rehearsed it they know what the choreography is they I think some directors worry that that these scenes are going to look too they're going to look choreographed but um I'll just go back to stunts. You know, somebody has to plan somebody has to plan stunt a stunt. A, you know, a, a, you're not just going to push an actor down the stairs and watch them go you know, why should we ask people that soundtrack, please? <laughs> Can I record? That'll be what, why have we been asking actors to, you know, just like do the things that they that they're, you know, assault that person, you know, or pretend to go from there to there. Just do it. Just go Daniel, for it. Daniel Craig, we're going to break your back one more time. We're going to do another take like, you know, you and then and they go, OK, because they just like more money, right? More money to damage your body, right? It's it, you, you can say, hey, listen, if you want me to do that, then I'll do it, but it's going to cost you this much. And it's, it should because you're putting your body in harm's way. But yeah, how the, I, I, as soon as I read this, that was one of the first things that popped in my head. I was like, you're a coordinator, just like stunts are. So like, I, I would love to see unsung heroes like intimacy coordinators and stunt coordinators start getting the recognition at these silly award shows that you guys <laughs> deserve because they're like, oh, it's the actor. Oh, it's the director. And yes, it is. It's above the line. It's the front and center stuff. But those Bridgerton scenes that everybody's swooning over with that handsome fucking hunk. I don't know what his name is, but he's everywhere. <laughs> I feel yeah. like he's probably in the curtain behind me, but like. <laughs> He's handsome. I'm not going to say he's not because it's just silly. Yeah. But like, if if they're so well received and they're so accurate and they're so pleasing to the eye, because really, it's gonna it's got to be pleasing. I mean, none of us. Let's be honest here. Yeah. If it looks awkward, you're gonna feel awkward. If it looks pleasing, you're gonna be smiling, right? Like that's just human yeah. interaction. But you guys need 
to be like one because this is I can only see this picking up steam and just getting bigger. I think I think it is it is currently picking up steam. Yeah. And yeah. so I had a question, and like I said in the question, I didn't want to get too dramatic because that's not our style. And mm-hmm. I just sound funny when I'm being serious. So um but with change comes pushback, right? Okay. So you're saying you've worked with directors who've been great about this and I'm but like industry wide, I, I don't want names, I don't want, you know, all the juicy shit, but has has it been well received? Just not for the fact that old rich white dudes controlled most of Hollywood for way too long and, you know, male power structure and all that stuff that sucks. But beyond that, has the industry as a whole been like, this is a really good idea. We, you know, how, what, 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 why didn't we do this before? Yeah, that's, that's hard to answer because I can't speak. I can't speak for, can't speak for the, the whole industry. I mean, we're trying our best to do things like this to, to um, raise awareness about, about uh, this role um, productions that aren't used to ha- hiring another, you know, it's an extra, it's an extra cost to have an intimacy coordinator. This is the kind um, of stuff I'm talking about like just, just general acceptance of like, Hey, this is like, like when I come to work and there's a new standard operating procedure for something, I'm like, Meh, I don't want to learn new shit. My brain's full already. Like, you know, so just, or I don't want another cook in the kitchen. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it feels to me like just, um, it feels to me that it's being uh, pretty accepted in Canada. Um, I'm pretty connected to other intimacy coordinators in other centers. If anything, there's a there's starting to become um, quite a demand on on the role. So um, the the woman who I'm training with, or the organization I train with, is called Intimacy Coordinators Canada, and there's three certified intimacy coordinators with intimacy coordinators Canada. So they're, you know, they're kind of flying all over. And with COVID, I think, um, I think then I think people are looking at the role a little closer because actors are, you know, with the double, the double thing of the intimacy and also with, with the pandemic, um, even though there's lots, there's a lot of COVID protocols on every set, um, having the intimacy coordinator there as just another another way to to make sure everybody is is uh, be, uh, being safe, and um, I think I think that I think that there's a bit more of a demand right now for for intimacy coordinators. But like you say, I don't think we're going to go backwards. I think we're only going to go forwards. And I'm going to. Uh, and scream at them if they don't do this like it just it you you talk about the artistic aspect you talk about the safety like it just checks every box sharon like it makes no, it does it does but just like just like with us with i'm sure stunt coordinators still and at the beginning you know when you have to lay down the law about a safety issue yeah uh so you can foresee it because of your experience and training tells you that this is a bad idea um, you might, and or it's not agreed on, or I have, you know, paperwork that says that this actor didn't agree to this. You are going to probably come into to times where you're going to have to be that person that says, you know, put the brakes on, put the brakes on this because I foresee um, this going badly. So that is going to be, that is going to be part of the job as well. You're not always going to be the, you know, the Florence Nightingale of the set. You might be the... <laughs> 
don't know what the equivalent is. (laughs) And I mean, like you said, on to the next gig. Every gig is new, a bunch of different people. So it's 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 got to work its way through the industry. I'm just, yeah, I I think it's awesome. What? Well, and there's every dynamic you can think of, right? Like, there's so many. I'm just like intimacy coordinated for a shower scene. Oh yeah, because oh, you froze. How is that possible? After all this time. Hmm. Michael. Frozen. <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry about it. We're good. <laughs> Come off mute. Sorry. You kind of froze like this. <laughs> At least we're back. That's all that matters. And we're so close to finishing. So no big deal. So Okay, great. Um, yeah, no. Where, where did you hear me stop? Boy, we were in the zone, Sharon. We were right there. I was there. in the zone. I was in the zone. Oh, you, you were stopped like this. Yeah. No, <laughs> we were talking just about the adapting changes that the industry has. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I think. On. Yeah, we're talking about the possible uh, pushback. Um, I think I had talked about um, having to be, you know, having to be the person on set that says that's not that's yeah, not yeah. what was agreed on. That's not. Uh, safe anymore. You're not the Florence Nightingale, you said. Not the Florence Nightingale. And then we laughed, and then you said something, and then you froze. Yeah, no, I know. This is a light. Hey, everybody, every, everybody's putting up with us, and I'm so happy for us. Thanks, guys, for putting up with another episode where Zoom gets in the way of a lovely <laughs> Two amazingly cool people, one more than the other. Her name is Sharon. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's tidy this up here because there's some stuff that I wanted to ask you so that people can be aware. If, someone, if there's an actor out there and they're in a situation and from the vast amount of knowledge that you've dropped on me today and, and whoever's going to listen to this, what can an actor do to confirm, to make sure that they're like, what, what should an actor know now that intimacy coordinators are involved and what can they know to ask of them and, and just be aware of the process if they aren't? Yeah. Well, if you're, you know, if you're, I guess I would say lucky enough to have an intimacy coordinator on a film that you're doing, um, just know that they're your person and um, any any questions or um, anything anything you want to you know you're they're kind of your confidant so uh, they're there to they're there to make sure that your job goes as well as it possibly can and that your um, that your body and your mind is safe and you feel, if you feel like you can act, um, you know, free from worry, um, it's just a great, I don't know. I just, I think I would have loved to have an intimacy coordinator. I had one actress say, where were you when I was 19? <laughs> I love that quote. That's been acting a long time. And yeah. Put that on the back of your business card for being an intimacy coordinator. Yeah. Cool. I think it's a, it's a great role. And, um, if you're a young actor and you've only been on set a couple of times or maybe not at all, the intimacy coordinator is the person who who can really, um, you know, with you can ask all the questions to. What do you love about this so far? What are the what are the what are the hardest parts and the most like the, the, the payoffs? Yeah, um, I think the hardest part is the hardest part has been uh, trying to navigate through the the different training and certification programs because you know I started with that group in the states and then they kind of as with any organization 
they they have have been changing and growing, right? So they kind of grew into a different into a couple of different organizations, and then Canada uh, grew into a couple of different organizations. So um, I wanted to make sure that I had that I had the you know the right amount of training, and that I was approaching this in the exact in the right way. Because when you're setting um, when you're when you're starting a new position like this. It's very important how um, how you come off on a on a set. Like you you want to make sure that um, it's a it's a position that is embraced. So you're you know there's a there's a sales pitch aspect to it. You 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 want to make sure you know what you're doing. Um, so you know just getting the you know getting the skills and the it's taken a while. You know it's taking it takes it's it's not an overnight thing. I wouldn't want anybody to think that they could just take a take a couple of online courses and become an intimacy coordinator. There's a lot. There's a lot involved. I think you just nailed that because you uh, barely know you, but you have a great sense of compassion and a big heart, and and you love making this process as best as it can be for all involved in collaboration. So there's also I think there's a personality type that's very specific to this, and it, yes. Sucks. And like, you know, I've, I, I was telling if people are still listening from the beginning of the podcast there, I have, I think in my personality, I have a bit of a, if it's hard, let's do it, <laughs> you know? And, uh, I think that being a new position on a, on something as stressful as a film set and is a hard position to, to navigate. I'm sure that I'm going to come up, come up against a lot of challenges as, uh, as I, proceed through this but i also feel like the the history that i come to with it you know as a as a performer and director and writer i think it, it's all going to feed you know it's kind of all all that all those skills will, will feed it in some way um i think being older too i just i'm i want i want our workplace to be uh the, the best workplace it can be and uh, this fulfills a lot of things for me too. It makes me really happy when an actor f feels happy about what they've done. You know, I, I, I have a lot of satisfaction in that. To be behind someone nailing something—that's like just a, a little bit of part of that to help them, like yeah, and that's yeah, a like a coach. It's like almost like there's a coaching aspect of it too. You know, yeah. you're in the game, dude. Yeah, do, put, we, we're putting you in, and then and then they feel comfortable, and then they. It, this metaphor score a touchdown but you know what i'm saying like it, yeah. it, it it all comes to fruition in the end and that's a beautiful freaking thing before i let you go uh there's one question i didn't tell you about it's not, not, not a surprise question or anything but um you are transplanted out of bc but you've lived here long enough that you get the manitoba status that's yes you don't need that from me <laughs> <Hope so. laughs> but there is uh i referenced this before manitoba to me is a little hollywood it's growing in so many different ways, the performing arts here, the music industry, everything here is top notch. And it was such a shame that so much shit was put on hold because there's so much emerging talent here. But having been here for so long, being a playwright, being an actor, being a director, and now an intimacy coordinator, what is the greatest thing or one of the greatest things about working in Manitoba in film? In one theater? of the greatest things about working in Manitoba in film? I think all the film nerds that went into film and who are so dedicated to making movies and the personalities that that uh, we meet uh, and 
also meeting, you know, mixing, mixing our community with um, people who come from away. I think that I think that people are always pretty, pretty darn impressed with our community here. And uh, we've gone from we've gone from surprise. Oh, you have crew and actors and yes. people who work in the film industry here and you have a gas station. You know, honestly, that that was there yeah. was a lot of surprise, you know, 25 years ago to um, people coming here and knowing that they're going to work with really professional people. Yeah, you guys are top drawer. Like you could take, <laughs> you could take the entire province and shake it in L.A. and they'd be like, yeah, sure. We know you know what you're doing. Take it over. Yeah. It's, no, it's it's true. Yeah, I'll say it. You all hear about it. Like whenever I read somebody saying that they've just filmed in Manitoba or they work in Manitoba, they all say it's the people. It's the industry itself. Like the industry takes care of itself with film training Manitoba and and, and just all the training and aspects out there. But it, it always comes down to the people in some way, shape or form. And you people put up with me asking you to come on my show. So that's why I love you. I, <laughs> besides the fact that you make great shit, that's why I love you people. So, um, uh, well, you know, just uh, for anyone listening that has an annoying, you know, uh, film circus outside their window, just uh, <laughs> Please be patient. We'll make a good. Well, you know, we'll, you know, we'll make we'll make Manitoba proud. We're just so, so happy that everyone is so patient with with us. Yeah. If you see a film crew outside your window and a bunch of guys standing around on a hot day, go bring them something to drink. They're going to be out there for sixteen <laughs> hours. Okay. If you see film people standing around, they're getting two minutes to get their shit straight, and then they got to go right back to it. So you know, that go something to chew on or, you know, drink. On a hot on a hot summer day. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about what the the next season. And uh, is there anything that people, if this interests somebody, where they can find out more information? People who don't know about it who are in film, like what what where can you what can you point in their direction? Yeah, there, well, there's starting to be quite a bit of information if you if you um, just Google intimacy coordinators. But the but the group in Canada that does does. Um, that I'm training with is Intimacy Coordinators Canada. And uh, there's a lot of great information on their website. And in the States, intimacy, it's called IDC, Intimacy Directors and Coordinators. And there is loads of reading material. Um, there's a lot of different links, different resources. There's webinars. There's all kinds of information uh, about this work now. Yeah. And you send me all that and I will attach it to this episode on our website okay. so anybody who goes there can be like oh this is what this thing is we'll do like a little like want to know more click on this link and then it'll take you to oh that'd be great yeah and oh yeah i wanted to i put some stuff or i had on screen manitoba has put has created a a section for intimacy um coordinator on there too so that also can lead you to places on screen manitoba great winnipeg film group great ftm great manitoba music and film great they're all great there's so many they are they are seriously great it's it's kind of annoying it's almost like a hallmark movie that gets filmed here but anyways Sharon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much Seriously. oh thanks it was wonderful to talk to you yeah I, uh, my, likewise pleasures pleasures all mine um i i like learning stuff i like talking to film people everybody knows this it's not a secret but i especially like it when it's designed for the common good to make this industry better and yes and to tell the better story and 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 make it because like i say our taglines were real life means real life so if the two blend seamlessly and you can't tell yeah well done your job that's and great so 
Um, yeah. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this is that part of the movie where you get up from your seat, throw your popcorn out. You may still be listening. I hope you are. If you're not, well, that's your problem. You missed a great fucking episode. But if you're new to us and this is your first time and you skipped all the stuff at the beginning, I'm going to catch you here just one time. TheRealDebaters.ca. That's the only place you got to go to to learn all of us. That's where you can see uh, Sharon's episode. That's where you can see all the stuff that's going to be attached to that episode, which will probably be out. Whenever I feel like it, I'll tell you. It'll be out probably in a couple weeks. But point is, uh, realdebaters.ca. If you uh, if you want to see us, talk to us, you can message us. You can email us, realdebaters at gmail.com. And at realdebaters on Instagram, Twitter, all the social medias. That's where you can find us. Sharon, thank you again. Uh, stick around before I let you go just to uh, okay. brief you on some stuff here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've uh, it's another Real Debaters production. Watch all the movies, kids. Have a great day. Good. <laughs>